When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. For over 10 years, VOC Nation has taken listeners behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Our hosts are not only experts on the business, but have lived in the business. Subscribe and hear weekly podcasts from hosts like legendary pro wrestling journalist Bill After, former Impact Wrestling star Wes Briscoe, former WWE and AWA broadcaster Ken Resnick, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, former WCW star The Maestro, NWA legend The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, and much more. VOC Nation programming is free on most major podcasting apps, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Radio.com. And video podcast and bonus content is available on Patreon for as low as $3 a month. What are you waiting for? Head to VOCNation.com and dig into the most comprehensive podcast network built for pro wrestling fans. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at VOC Nation Wrestling Network and follow us on Twitter at VOC Nation. Thank you for joining another edition of Bumps and Thumps, the talk of wrestling. I'm Brian Ferguson. My guest today was a partner with Ring of Honor and and became the owner of Ring of Honor from 2004 to 2011. He is still active in pro wrestling and had a podcast called Last Stop Penn Station with Ian Riccoboni. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to introduce Mr. Kerry Silken. Thank you so much, sir, for coming on today. Thank you, thank you, Brian. And I, I think, I think, I'm not a thousand. Well, I'm sort of sure. Yeah, I'm still the Ring of Honor ambassador. Ambassador. All right. Full disclosure. Uh, before we really get started, I met Kerry at WrestleCon about two weeks ago. I walked up to him uh, and introduced myself. And the man, you're very cordial, very nice and professional. We talked for a few minutes, and I always tell my wife this: the man asked me if I would, if he wanted me to take a picture with him, and I thought that was great because in that environment, most of the time you got to pay. <laughs> and nice. and you, I appreciated that, and uh, you know, we, I reached out to you this past week, and I'm glad you're on today. So thank you again for coming on. My pleasure, my man. All right, let's talk about a little bit growing up. Uh, I know you grew up in, uh, is it Jersey? Is that correct? Yes, yes, yes. Let's talk about that a little bit, growing up, uh, where you grew up, your family life, that kind of thing, and schooling. That's a good question. Um, I I grew up in in, uh, central Jersey, Cranford, New Jersey. And uh, we're talking – I I started watching wrestling when I was 10 years old. And, you know, my parents, I was the only kid. I have my cousin, Mike G., who's the one who's working on the Last Stop Penn Station book. And he's always been a big influence to me. He's like, he was like my older brother. Turned me on to everything, you know, you name it. He turned me on to it, including wrestling and rock and roll and uh, other things. But... So, yeah, so I, I grew up in Cranford. It was a nice, it was a good town. You know, talk about your typical lower middle, upper-ish middle class. Um, and, you know, it was, it was this, and, you know, when I was going to high school, Brian, it was the 70s. Okay. And, I mean, 
Well, you know how it is when you're 16, 17, 18, you think you know everything. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And you don't know shit. <laughs> and I look, I look, excuse me, I look at these kids today, and I think they know a lot less. Why? Why do you, th- why do you think I'm saying that? Well, because they're not socially active anymore. They don't go outside and play and stuff. Yes. I mean, you and I, how old are you? I'm 51. Fine. Thank you. you and I went out, played outside. Yep. You and I, I'd safe to say, although I don't know you well yet, we, you know, your mother told you to come home or your guardian, whoever it might be. Yep. You came home. You know, mm-hmm. we were, I think I'm safe to say, too, we were brought up similar. Um, and it was the way it was. These 16, 17, 18-year-old kids today, how are they going to develop any character? How is anyone going to have any – swagger is not the right word, but uh, just any kind of, you know, pep in their step. Yeah. Uh, If they're they're raised staring at a phone or tea – you know, that would be a good good title for podcasts – Teething on ta- on tablets. Right? You see these people <laughs> That's pretty good, tablets. actually. <laughs> right. They, they shove a tablet at the kids to shut them the hell up, right? Yeah. So yeah. I grew up in an era, as you did, pre-internet, yep. pre-everything. And it was, you know, we, we were wild, man. We were wild. You know, yeah. uh, not in a bad way, but, you know. Uh, my high school was very liberal in their policies, and uh, it was a lot of fun growing up in Cranford until they ran me out of town, but that's another story. <laughs> I understand your point with today. I mean, I've got grandkids, and they all, well, most of them anyways, they like that tablet. I've but I kick them out when they're here at my house. I kick them outside for a while, a couple hours at least. And yeah, go get dirty. Full yeah, I say go rip or something. We got a big mound of dirt in our backyard. I go go climb on that or dig some dirt, and they do it. So Where I was growing up, there was a river. There were woods. Wasn't like you know, uh, wasn't like a deep, you know. But we would go hang out, yeah. you know, because no yeah. one could find us. Right. And did whatever we did, depending yeah. on how old we were. Yeah. But it's like, I think that's gone. It's fading fast. I will say that for you. I, I kind of agree. So, yeah, I agree. So you what about I mean? college? Did you do college? Oh, or? yeah, I did college. I, I, I went for uh, a semester and a half. I majored in pinball and joint rolling. <laughs> Okay. I just I just went because I didn't know what the hell to do. Yeah. And I went to the community school, and from the minute I got there, although I made some friends, that was good. Yeah. Most of the most of the people I was attracted to, or vice versa, as friends, we were all in there for the same reason, just to. We didn't know what else to do. Have a good time, right? Well. I really didn't want to do schoolwork. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so I had a brief college career, and which le- which led me to a career, a four four to five year career, working with small time club bands. Okay. In the now all these stories, for all your thousands of listeners. Can be heard on Last Stop Penn Station podcast. Yeah, and I will put that down at the link at the bottom of the description because I listened to some of those actually, and there you've got some amazing stories. Well, I got some amazing stories. I, I put my, for lack of a better way to put it, I I I I, I go balls naked on that. I yeah. don't hide anything. No. Some of those episodes that I did, thank God for Ian Riccoboni. Some of those, and my friend AJ, who produced them, 
and my friend and my cousin Mike G, who's working on the memoir, which I'm delaying. But anyway, um, some of those episodes uh, aren't pretty. Yeah. You know, they're not pretty. You know, I I, I had a uh, very not a sort of it was I, I uh, I'm lucky that we're here talking. Put it that way. Yeah. All those stories. All the details of my misadventures and drug abuse and addiction problems are all in there, and uh, it was hard to get it was hard to get through some of them, you know, because I'm like just telling telling it where you're telling it, you know, whatever, not hiding anything. But it was sort of therapeutic to do it too. Yeah. And nobody came to me and said, "Oh, Carrie, you're a such and such," or but. Not yet. So um, I'm glad we did it. Last Stop Penn Station exists. We sort of stopped doing it Yeah. at about 75 episodes. I basically told my stories. Okay. And we had a few interviews. And there's so many podcasts. And I had some good guests. Bushwhacker Luke, Dave LaGreca. Uh, my cousin, Mike, who's a character, uh, many, uh, I'm leaving a bunch of names out, but th- at this time, I, I mean, with all, everything that's going on with Ring of Honor, everything that's going on with me, um, I just don't feel the need to do it at the moment. So um, we'll see what happens. Okay. So I'm happy to do yours. I, I appreciate it. Um, I know you're busy. So when... I reached out to you and you called me. I was pretty shocked, to be honest with you. Um, so thank you for that, by the way. I really... Okay, so, you know, we'll move on. Just I want to talk to you about your podcast. So you, you laid a lot of things out in there. But you know what? There's a lot of life lessons that can be learned from there, from what you've what you've accomplished and what you've done. Because a lot of people – from what you stated in those podcasts, can't recover, or or or, or, or don't don't have the mind well, to to recover, and, and you did, and, and so you should commend. I commend you for that because thank you. You you a lot of people that are were in your situations wouldn't have been able to recover from that and do what you have done. Well, I got I got lucky. I'm telling you, my life without any kind of bragging or it's like I hit the damn Powerball because the odds, if you knew me when I was 25, when I was 30, even when I was 35, uh, if someone would have said to you, Hey, that guy, Carrie, one day he's going to be pretty successful. And you know how he loves that stupid wrestling? Yeah. Well, he's going to be very successful in that industry. And uh, that, so you would have said, or if I was, you know, we're talking about me, what are you, nuts? <laughs> that guy? You know, so, yeah, I overcame a lot of things. I'm lucky I didn't die. Um, I had a lot, you know, there's fate, there's destiny, and there's luck. Right? Yeah. Um, I mean, look what's going on with these people in the Ukraine. Yeah. Did they, you know, like, and we're not, not to go off track here, but you and I are sitting in our nice houses having this chat. Mm-hmm. I, I trust that your family is relatively well. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And these these poor bastards are running for their lives with none of their imagine if someone coming to your house and saying, Listen, you gotta get out. And these and the people are like, Well, I wanna take some stuff with me. I mean, what do you mean get look, you're gonna you know, and like these people had to leave their houses with like carrying a it's crazy. Yeah, it is. You know, I try, you know, if you do a generous act, you're not supposed to talk about, but I sought out trying to donate a couple dollars to these 
legitimate. I heard a real, speaking of, sorry to go off track here, but Chris right. Jericho did a great podcast where he had on, his podcast good. It's often not wrestling. And he had on D. Snyder from Twisted Sister. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and somehow the president of Ukraine was using that Twisted Sister anthem, we're not going to take it. Yeah. We're not going to take it. Yeah, yeah. So he connected with that, and uh, he was talking about that. So after the after he was done with Jericho, there wasn't any information of like what's a good yeah you go to the Red Cross da 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 but yeah where can you do you know so I text Chris Jericho who was really gracious in having me on his podcast after December's final battle mm-hmm. and he's a really good guy he's a rock and roller I mean we got fifteen you know he's your age. Yeah. But, you know, um, we can jive on it. So I text him, and it took him a day or two to get back to me. He's busy. He's doing his Fozzie tour. And yeah. and uh, he said, you know what? Hey, he goes, hey, Carrie, what's up? Um, I, I mentioned to him that I got treated very well in Texas and that, you know, blah, blah. Hopefully I see you. By the way, and he goes, oh, I'm glad to hear everything went well. Um, and then he said, uh, I don't know where to donate. You're right. Let me find out. <laughs> and about five minutes later, he sent me a text for two uh, two charities. Okay. But um, I really went off track there. Where were we? That's okay. I'm sorry. No, that's sorry. Um, no, I was going to tell you, too, that uh, – yeah, that's a mess over there, and I hope sometime soon that we actually can all these nations can get their act together and and form a coalition and get this resolved quickly. It's horrible. It is, and it's I want to tell you one more thing. Chris Jericho is probably one of my favorite wrestlers. Uh, he's my favorite wrestler now, for sure, because of what he does and. Uh, yeah. You know, I I love that. I've never met him in person. I've seen him. I went to a show in Kansas City two years ago, right before the pandemic, three years ago. And uh, with AEW and just great, great person, great everything. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, he, he's a good guy. Now, except for doing the hour podcast with him, which I was so nervous about. <laughs> I just wanted to do it right. And while we were doing the podcast, he kept going like this. So I thought he's just like looking, I'm boring the shit out of him and he's he's looking at his phone. But he wasn't. I asked him at the end. He says he doesn't, he'll have one or two questions. Mm-hmm. But as the interview goes along, he'll jot down questions from what he's heard. Uh, so that's what he was doing. Yeah. And we had a really good talk. I like listening back. I don't like listening to myself, but I like listening back to that one because I made him laugh like four or five times. What did I make him laugh about? I can't tell you off the top of my head. Yeah, I can tell you stories about forty years ago, but I can't tell you that. But I, 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 I had, I made him laugh. Um, one of the things was he's got this infectious enthusiasm. Like when he's doing his podcast, um, who was it he had on? Neil Schoen, wasn't he from Journey? Yeah, no. I think so. Right. So Neil Schoen was on, and he was talking about going to the Fillmore West back in the day. You know, Bill Graham had the Fillmore West and Fillmore East. Mm-hmm. And yeah. in 69 through 72-ish, before my time even. Not my cousin, though. He went. <laughs> uh, they, would have, they would have bills. It was like 1,500 seats. They would have like... Opening act, Almond Brothers. Second act, Iron Butterfly. Third act, Herbie Hancock. And then the late show would be opening act, uh, Joni Mitchell, and then feature act, Pink Floyd. Oh, wow. It was nuts. Yeah. So when he had Neil Schoen on, Neil Schoen was talking about going to the Fillmore his brother would take him and da, 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 and Chris Jericho just go, he'll, he'll often go like, 
wow. So anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, he's a good, good he's a good dude. He, he, he seems like it. Um, let's talk about after school. You got you know, when you went to college. I understand that you got into the uh, ticket Rock business. And roll. Ticket business, well, lighting business first. Lighting business, okay. Lighting business first. Then there was a a big number of years of nothingness, and which led me into the ticket scalping hustle. We're talking on the street. We're not talking, you know, which eventually led me. It listen, the ticket business was good to me. If it wasn't for the ticket business, there would have been no Ring of Honor. Yeah. But it was not an overnight success. I mean, I was hustling on and off from 1985 on the street through like 91. And then then I cleaned up my act, literally, and someone gave me a break and put me in their office, you know, like on the phones, Mm -hmm. which led to another guy who gave me a break, which led to me eventually having my own ticket agency uh, rave review and uh that funded ring of honor okay. literally you know and uh, but um the, t- the the street stuff with the ticket scalping is uh it's a wealth of stories a okay. wealth of characters yeah um talk about characters you know you know like uh, and when i say that you understand what I'm saying? Like, you know, crazy Uncle Louie. Yeah. Oh, uh, Tony the Nose across the street. You know, that. so these ticket hustlers, my friends used to say to me, hey, aren't you getting, aren't you worried about getting, like, you know, busted? Like, I go, no, I'm worried about these other guys. I mean, you're working with guys with names like Blockhead, Drugstore, Phony Pops, Freddie the Weeper, the Camel, oh, the wonderful Sabu Brothers, oh, they were nice, um, so on and so forth. And uh, this is at Madison Square Garden, all the New York venues, whether it was Yankee Stadium, Madison Square Garden, Radio City, uh, the old Academy of Music, which was became the Palladium, which was the 3,000-seat rock venue. And uh, we'd go to the Meadowlands sometimes, once in a blue moon, out to, to Long Island. But that's that's how I started. And I remained on the streets till 91. Wow. And uh, it wasn't a very good period. I mean, it, in the end, we got some great stories. Yeah. But, and they're funny stories. But it was extremely unhealthy. Yeah. I was heavily medicated, heavily. And for the third time, it's a miracle I'm alive. You know, um, so, but, you know, it, it is what it is, my man. Yeah. Now, I, when I listen to some of those, I, I just, I'm so glad that everything turned out the way it did because, you know, you could have went left instead of right. And, and. You could still go left instead of right. Well, you, but you understand what I mean. I mean. Absolutely. You, you overcame a lot of things that, uh, a lot of people can't. And, uh. Well, it took me long enough to do it. Well, I mean, it's I mean, better. I was, I was running hog wild. From 76 until 91. And then I had a little four-year break. And then I uh, had had a relapse, and uh, I ran amok 96, 97. And this was dangerous because I had money at this time. You know, I, I paid back everyone I owed money to. That was within reason. And... We were making money in the ticket business, the guy that I worked with. I didn't have my own place yet. You know, so when you like doing these uh, these party drugs uh, and you have money, yeah. you know, so anyway, but uh, here we are today in 2022, you and I. Here we are. 
Very nice. Yes. Yes. I want to tell you that uh, I have a son that's kind of in a pickle, kind of similar to what you were going through. Uh, he's my youngest, actually. And uh, so now you give me some hope. At least he, I, I hope someday. How old is he? He's 24. Is he out of the house? Yes. Well, we'll hope for the best, right? Yeah, I, I really do. My wife and I just, yeah, it's, it's been a challenge. It's, pre- it's got to be heartbreaking, right? It is. It's, it's, yeah, I can't even describe it to you. I'm sorry. Much. Oh, that's okay. No, Listen, I mean, I tortured my parents. I was the only kid when I was, you know, and I was like young and not messed up. My dad, my dad was a big, great guy, man. He took me to Madison Square Garden for my first wrestling. He hated wrestling. But you know he he put up with it. He was he like he goes. What do you mean? I goes. I I like real sports. You know he was a big big Yankee fan. Loved basketball. He was a good basketball player in his day. And uh, anyway, he used to call me the champ. And then when I started screwing up, uh, nineteen twenty twenty, he used to call me. Once again, I was the only kid. He used to call me the bargain. Some bargain we got with you. But, yeah, uh, hopefully your kid will wake up. I, I hope so. I, I I talk to him now more. I used to just get on to him. I don't want to change the subject, but it's okay. I kind of changed my attitude towards him and kind of be more directional and not confrontational. So hopefully it will work out. All right, let's – yeah. All right, let's go to – you, you loved wrestling. How did you a, were able to get into the Ring of Honor? First, you were a partner, from what I understand. Yeah. And um, then, so how did that kind of evolve? Well, I was a big ECW fan. Mm-hmm. You know, that revived my interest in wrestling. Yeah. I used to tell people they're doing everything that they won't do in WWF or WCW, right. which was true. Um, funny thing is, at the risk of angering Tommy Dreamer or Bully Ray, if they hear this, I don't think it really aged well. Yeah, I see where you're coming from with that. But at the time, and some of it's really good. So I, I loved going, and I got to meet uh, Gabe and the other guys, and uh, – when ECW went out of business, I figured that they were going to start something up. I approached them before the first show. You know, if you want to start something up, uh, I'm, I'd be interested in getting involved. Uh, but they didn't need me. So until about eight or nine months into it, you know, they needed money. And right. uh, we're not going to talk about that. In, well, we'll talk about a little that incident that made me the owner. Um, the uh, scandal, everyone knows about it. You could Google it. So I wound up, I, I didn't really want to own the company, but yeah. I either had to, I had to own it or the other guy had to go away, whatever. Yeah. And uh, I wound up owning the damn thing. And uh, talk about some rough waters to get through past that incident. You know, right. and there was like a six months to a year where we were like, it was rough. But a couple of things saved us. The, the thing that saved us the most was the trilogy of Samoa Joe and CM Punk. Yeah. And that was over the course of maybe you'd know better than me. I forget, like what, six or nine months? Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was a good run. I remember, yeah. And at the same time, dude, we had Mick Foley, which was another kismet weird thing. We had Mick Foley and Ricky Steamboat mm-hmm. in 04-05 post-bullshit, and they brought a lot of legitimacy to us. I mean, if Mick Foley's going to work for you, everything's got to be groovy, right? Yeah. And... I remember one night in Dayton, Ohio, there's Foley and Steamboat in the back at behind the curtain at those at those rinky dink fairgrounds, 
and they're sitting in a chair just talking to each other. Uh, and Gabe Sapolsky comes up to like comes. I'm, I'm like looking over like this, and Gabe comes from the other side and just taps me on my shoulder. He goes, Carrie, Carrie, look, we got. We got Foley, I know, Foley and Steamboat. And, uh, yeah, so that, that, that really, I, I'm ever grateful to those guys. And I'm still in touch with Foley. He's a good guy. We wound up, we had a big commonality. And that was, we are both, besides rock and roll fans, we are both diehard. I repeat, die-hard Jethro Tull fans. So, yes, I, I I knew that from Foley, um, from his uh, from reading his book, mm-hmm. his first book. He talks about hitchhiking. He missed the Long Island Tull show, that '84 tour, I think it was, or maybe it was '82, and he hitchhiked to Buffalo. Somehow he, there was, you know, there was no way of finding out a schedule, but he said, he think he had like a, a a circus magazine, which they could be inaccurate or the tour could change. Maybe he called the venue and make a long story short, he hitchhiked from Long Island to Buffalo to see (laughs) Tall as a kid. So we had that, you know, and, uh, He's a good man. Um, I went to shows with him. We went to the, besides Tall, we went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame mm-hmm. in 2008. That was the Hall of Fame show where they had on Crosby, Stills, and Nash, the first act. And then the second act was Stevie Wonder, right? Okay. Plus yeah. these other guests. Yeah. You know, uh, and then the third act was Paul Simon. With like a symphony, and of course Garfunkel comes out at the end. Oh yeah. And the last act, if that ain't enough, was Springsteen with Whoa. John Cougar, Billy Joel, and I'm leaving some other people out. And then there was the second night, which I didn't go to. They had the Stones and U2. Oh, so wow. that was a hell of a night. But yeah, uh, yeah Foley's great. Foley's great. Yeah. And so you know, and Ring of Honor. Um, my my period of ownership uh, was essentially eight eight and a half nine years, and we uh, we never made a penny. All we did was lose money, lose 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 lose. And yeah. uh, I wanted to get rid of it. I mean, you're you probably have a grandkid that knows how to add. Would tell me <laughs> this doesn't make sense. <laughs> So, but I held on to it, dude. It was like a, a, a it was pat, it was a combination of passion. Um, I knew it, Brian. I knew we had a really good thing. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, but the I, biggest I thing it. was ego. I didn't want to let it go. Yeah, and there were no buyers, none. I got a half. I got a half-ass. Inquiry from uh, Jerry Jarrett at one point. Okay. And then I got a, a very and I'll, 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 if he heard me say this, he'd be like, "Yeah, I don't know what." Uh, I got a half-ass inquiry from CM Punk. He like sends me a text one day. Hey, Carrie, what would you want to sell Ring of Honor? Right? It's like, is that how you do business? <laughs> but anyway, uh, so. But thank God, now I'll go back to Carnet. Carnet knew Gary Juster, the old WCW, NWA. He booked the buildings for years and years. Okay. And Gary knew Joe Coff from way back. Joe Coff produced this Battle of the Belts. This is before he was in Sinclair. He was working in Florida at a TV station. And he was able to get like 11 stations uh, to participate in sort of like a pay-per-view. Yeah. And uh, anyway, it took over a year to get the deal done, you know, and it was just like, come on already. (laughs) And I didn't get paid a lot of money. Yeah. 
it's 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 I don't know what Tony Khan bought it for, but yeah. they should give me a little kickback. It's just like yeah. I'm gonna tell you that, you know, I started watching Ring of Honor because you know it was mainly down on the East Coast, but we got it when I was uh near Fort Leonard Wood back ten, twelve years ago when you still owned it. And um I thought it was fantastic. And when you tell me you lose money, you're losing money, I I'm just really surprised because you had such talent and I and I know it's different from the business side to the to the ring. But you had such talent there. Such what, did you go to any shows? No, because they were all back then, they were all in the on the you were all on the East Coast mostly, Maryland. No, we were in we were in Chicago. Like well, in- Chicago's a little drive for me, but where are you? I'm in uh, Missouri. I'm on. We came to um, twice. We came to that. What's that town right across the river from from St. Louis? Oh, um, yeah, I can't in remember. Indiana yeah. or wherever the hell. It is. Yeah, yeah. I, I should have anyway, went, but I mean, I'd watch it on TV, and I know like you. Brian, it's like Dutch Mantel taught me. Everything is not what it seems to be. Yeah. No, you're right. And I've learned through the other people talking to him, the business side is a lot different than when you're in the ring or or the the booking side, I should say. And, yeah, I just – it breaks my heart because you had such a great core of talent. We did. And – these guys were very loyal and anytime I was a shitty boss in a good way, anytime (laughs) anyone would say to me, Hey, uh, Carrie, I got a try out. I could go to WWE, you know, now what I should have said, like, let's say it's Nigel McGinnis or whoever, Austin Aries. Look, dude, you're signed here, and part of the agreement is, you know, no, you could do any indie that doesn't televise, and no WWE, no Impact, uh, you know. So I just can't let you go down there now. But you know what, Brian? I never would deny anyone the opportunity. Yeah, I'd be like, they would have these weekend tryout thing. I like go, go, go. Um, and yeah, so. I mean, I treated the guys as best I could. I still feel guilty when I see a few months ago, I saw uh, Tyler Black and Kevin Steen, alias Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens. And I love those guys, man. Uh, Tyler used to be my roommate. Okay. Why? Ooh, it's nothing devious. He, he, uh, he would, he would, he was like 20, 22. He'd come up to me and say, Hey, Carrie, can I stay with, can I, I'm like, stay with me. What, what, what's up? He goes, um, I don't like to stay with those guys. They're all drinking and smoking. Right. And, uh, yeah. he was a clean kid. Yeah. So yeah, he was my roommate. The young bucks were my roommates. Imagine that the three of us, cause we just got along. And, yeah. um, so, what I, what I was going to say was with, 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 uh, Tyler and, uh, Kevin, I, when I saw them a few months ago and, you know, they're doing very, very well. Yeah. I said to them at the end, they were in, they were near my house at a house show and I met them for lunch. I, when I was leaving, I said, listen, guys, love you and, I wish I could have just taken care of you better back then. You know, not everyone got paid fabulous. I couldn't. Yeah. And they're like, what are you talking about? But um, anyway, I guess in the end, it all worked out well. Yeah, I, you know, I watched WrestleMania as well during the uh, the weekend in Dallas. I'd watch it in the, you know, in the evening. I think that they're misusing, like Kevin. Kevin is such a talent, you know, for his size and the way, you know, he's bulky dude, but he can move and he can talk. And he had, you know, he had that run for a while and then they they kind of just, I don't know if pastured him off, I guess. I don't know how to really say it. 
and, and say it was he faded out into the sunset. Well, yeah, and and they shouldn't have done that. I mean, he rising star. I mean, and same with uh, with uh, Seth Rollins and some of those other guys. And it's just sad to me that I know they're getting quite a bit of money, which is great. They deserve it. Well, you know, I'll never forget in 2010 when when Tyler was going for his second, he had a match against Aries for the belt in ROH in New York City, and the fans booed the match at the end. Was it a bad match? Not really, but it was uh, they just didn't like that there was like a no decision. It was like a count out. I forget because that would happen very rarely. So he was really nervous. We were back in New York. It was springtime. And he was not staying with me. He could have, but he was in Newark at the uh, Holiday Inn budget. The, the Holiday Inn um, Express. budget small time express. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, there'd be like five, six guys to a room. Anyway, he calls me up. The day of the show in the morning, he goes, "What's?" He goes, "Can I come hang out with you?" I'm like, "Yeah." So he came into the city. He took the train from Newark, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. It's like 15 minutes, and I picked him up at Penn Station, and we had this Italian. I had this Italian restaurant that my parents turned me on to a million years ago. That it's closed now, dude. Or I would take you there. So good. Angelo's, man. It was on Mulberry Street, Little Italy. Like when you see the movies like Mean Streets or yeah. uh, these, you know, these New York City uh, mob kind of things. Yeah. It's right there. All right. Mulberry Street was, you know, loaded with Italian restaurants. And right across Canal Street was Chinatown. It's a great area. And Angelo's was so good. So good. And it's just sad that guy I took a lot of people there. And uh, so we went for lunch at Angelo's. And he's telling me, I'm really worried about tonight. I'm like, you'll be fine. And he perked up a little during the dinner, the lunch. And he's like, you know what, Carrie? One day I am going to headline WrestleMania. And he did. <laughs> he did. And I love him. And, yeah. and same with Kevin. Yeah. Um, he was like, well, he and I could have had the same award, but different categories. My award would have been most unlikely, to, you know, like in high school, like prettiest girl and uh, most best looking man, boy and, yeah. and most likely. To, well, I've been most unlikely to succeed. <laughs> so in wrestling, he'd be most unlikely to to uh, to succeed. Yeah. You know, and like Coronet back in, the, you know, they used to butt heads, man. And Kevin, Kevin didn't. It was crazy, and there's no way that Kevin fits the WWE mold, but yeah. he's too good. Yeah. I don't think he's ever been in the gym ever. <laughs> well, he doesn't need to be. Apparently, he's running crazy. around like crazy, he's, right? Yeah, he's – I mean, for his size, he is incredibly athletic, incredibly quick. Yeah. He's, he's like the gifted – the gifted guy that he doesn't have that big buff masculine body per se, but he's got all the other gifts of a wrestler. He does. And when I had this little, I'll tell you what exactly when it was, they were in town at like March 9th, March 6th, early March. Mm-hmm. It was a Saturday. And so the WrestleMania card was not fully out there yet. There was rumors about, Stone Cold. So I said to Kevin, I go, how do you feel about, like, would you want to wrestle Austin? And he's like, Gary, of course, you know, it's Stone Cold. Yeah. So that was good. And then I turned, turned to Cody, Cody, to, to, uh, well, his first, first name is Colby. Turned to Colby and, uh, I said, who are you working? 
He goes, I think Cody Rhodes. And yeah, so there's such good guys. Yeah. I love them. I love the Bucks. Yeah. Um, you know, I made I made some good friends in this thing. Yeah, um, you did. I wish people would talk more. You know, um, when you get when you get to be our age, well, you're not my age yet. Um, but as older you get, you know, it's like you realize how important everyone is, and you know, I get sentimental easy. Yeah. So that's where it's. I understand. No, you had, like I said, a lot of those guys that are AEW, WWE, Impact, that are the main roster, were in Ring of Honor at one time or another. I mean, for the most part. When I, I mean, watch these, these aforementioned shows, it's like all my children. Right. <laughs> I know, right. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, when you came into business, uh, early 2000s and wrestling today? Good question. What is, in your mind, the big difference for you? Well, I don't know. Everything evolves, Brian, right? Yeah. Look at base. Are you a baseball fan? I am. I used to work for the Kansas City Royals, actually. Good. I'll get. We'll, we'll get back to the wrestling thing. Okay. How dare they take Clayton Kershaw out of the game? I saw How that. dare they? I saw and that. Then, and once again, I'll bring up his name for the eighth time. My cousin Mike. He's a. He watches baseball. He listens to rock and roll. Gets stoned. He's seventy-two and watches baseball all fucking day and loves every second of it. And I'm having this argument with him yesterday. And he's like, Carrie, it's not the same game. I know, but the guy's got a perfect game. Yeah. And unless, and I read the, saw the article, he texts me this thing, how Clayton Kershaw said it was the right thing to do. Um, I, I don't think it was the right thing to do. Do you? No, I think he was just being politically correct. I think he probably wanted to stay in the game, and they told him no because, you know, injuries. We're not talking about – look, unless he said to them, guys, my arm is really hurting, Mm -hmm. and I would love to make history here, but I don't think – you know, I I bet you he would never say that, even if his arm was hurting. Yeah. You used to before your time. But could you imagine them telling that to Nolan Ryan? Oh, I don't know Nolan Ryan. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Even he like just... Roy Halliday. Yeah. Even David Cohn. Yeah. Even, you know, there's a laundry list. Mm-hmm. But it's like, there's, I looked it up. You probably know this. There's only been 23 perfect yeah. games. Yeah. I think that includes, does that include Don Larson? I think so, yeah. I think you're, yeah. So, I mean, come on. Yeah. Kevin Sullivan, who I talk to like three times a day, a, a week, he said to me, he calls the other day, he goes, and he's a huge Red Sox. Oh, I bet he fan. is. And yeah. Carry, carry, I'm done. I'm done. Fuck him. Fuck him. And I don't believe a word of what Kers- – I don't believe there was any sincerity what Clayton Kershaw said. No, like, I think – like, if you and I had him here right now and it wasn't on the air, you'd have been like, of course I wanted him to pitch. Yeah. Yeah, no. But um, as far as wrestling, um, Ring of Honor, and, you know, I never was, like, involved in booking. Right. Right? Or match, you know. Yes, I would say, ooh, this guy's good, or this guy wasn't, but that's why I, – I, Brian, I, I fancied myself as a producer. Okay. So I got Gabe. Oh, another thing about the Ring of Honor renaissance and getting through all that horse shit was getting lighting and getting an entrance entranceway yeah. and getting those boards, the the, the, the aluminum, uh, the Ring of Honor signs. Oh, yeah. Okay. People would bang. 
Um, yeah, and it was like essentially rudimentary lighting, you know, like six ring lights on all four corners. But it was like when the show starts, whether you're in a movie, whether you're going to see a concert, even in a, even in a lot of sporting events, the lights go out and they, you know, and the crowd pops. So that was a big part of our success. Um, the wrestling that Gabe liked to do was fine with me because he had a good mix of old school, little blood, a little this, you know, the high flying and all that. Um, and so to bring it to today, I don't think it's that much different, really. Do you? Well, I think it's more, I don't know. I want to say it looks more rehearsed. It looks more, um, right. you know, it, it, it back when you had Ring of Honor, even up until maybe 2010, 2011, well, you I know, had it in 2011. Okay, so you had, you first. still had the, you know, you felt the 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 heat, you know, for with the the heels. You could still, you know, social media was still kind of new then and stuff. So right. it just feels like now they go in, they perform, um, and then they're out, and you know, you know, they're best friends. You don't, you don't even see that before. I'm not, they're they're arch enemies. Inside and outside of the you're room. Right. There wasn't, you're right. There wasn't Twitter. Right. There was Facebook, I think, in MySpace. Yes. But, you know, um, so there was a little bit more of slight amount of kayfabe. kayfabe I mean, everything right. had been exposed at that point. Right. But here's the thing. If you get two guys that you will suspend disbelief for because you feel like, ooh, this is going to be like when I was in Texas and the FDR Briscoes match came on, two, my two best friends who are not wrestling fans like you and I are, mm-hmm. my friend Dustin and my friend Palermo, uh, they were at the Ring of Honor show and I moved them from their seats in the stands that were, you know, Tony gave us down to like the front, you know, because they helped me out. Right. Anyway, I said to these guys, I go, look, they got there like 615. (laughs) They don't need to stay there till 11 until, you know. So I said, look, and both these guys know the Briscoes. Not just did they see them wrestle. They've met them multiple. Like the Briscoes saw them, they're like, Yo, Dustin, Palamo, what up? <laughs> so I said, listen, make sure you stay because you're going to see this is going to be a fight. And Dustin told me, like, you know, that was like the best thing he had ever seen. Yeah. But, and and uh, I don't know, man. Uh, like, but, so the point is, is like, you can buy into that, yeah. you know, like, it's like if two if if we're if Brian if we're driving down the street mm-hmm. and we see two guys on the side of the road and they're fighting, we're gonna say to ourselves, or I might say to you, why are these guys fighting? <laughs> so once you have a, like, hmm. <laughs> Right? So yeah. it can still be done, and it was done that night. Yeah. I mean, I guess what I, I'm Did saying... Did anyone think Brock Lesnar and and uh, uh, Roman Reigns really hate each other? No. Does anyone really believe FTR and the Briscoes really hate each other? Probably not, but it's easier to believe that right. they can have a little brawl. Right. All I'm saying is I think the creative control aspect, because back in our day, you know, from what I've been told before from other people, the booker, all they said is, hey, this is your opponent. This That's is how, it. 
and, and okay, this is the finish. That's it. You figure out from the start of the match to, you know, the, the point of where, okay, we're going to do the finish, whatever the finish is. That's it. They called all the shots. Now my understanding is it's like step one, you flip so-and-so. Step two, you give them a leg drop, whatever. Pretty much. Pretty much. Now, another one of my best friends who I always do talk to every day, I absolutely love this man, is is uh, Luke Williams. Okay. Hopefully yeah. Bushwhacker Luke. Bushwhacker Luke, yeah. Hopefully you had the opportunity to meet him in uh yeah. The greatest guy. I mean, how did I get to know him in Dutch? Well, this is a whole nother podcast. We got to wrap this up. When I had my wrestling magazine in Puerto Rico. Okay. Lucha Libre de Puerto Rico. We did four issues. Okay. And, uh, but I got to know Luke. Yeah. And Luke, man, the stories that man, the story, Man, the stories that man has is just wonderful. Yeah. The night after the Ring of Honor show, and I was finally relaxed. After the show, I needed a ride back to downtown, right? Mm -hmm. And Dalton Castle, another awesome, great talent and an awesome dude. He's like, oh, I'll give you a ride, Carrie. He goes, you want to get something to eat? I'm like, yeah. So we went downtown, and it was me and him and Dan Housen and one of those Dark Order guys. I don't remember. But he's like, Carrie, don't you remember? I wrestled for him. I go, no. So <laughs> anyway, we tried to go out. We couldn't. This restaurant was close. You were there. Yeah, yeah. This is close. We wound up going to Deep Ellum. Did you go to that neighborhood? No. It's like a miniature hipster area, right? Okay. So they had food. Uh, But unfortunately, Dan Housen and the other guy, uh, they strayed away. Um, It was me and Dalton. So when I got back to the hotel, which and, and Dalton was, he was staying like 30, it was like he drove... 20 miles out of his way, and then had to go. Anyway, it's like 1.30, and I go into the bar, and there's Bushwhacker Luke <laughs> at, at the end of the bar. He he did some, he did a run-in in the Impact show. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God bless him. God yeah. bless him. So he, he and I, and... Bobby, you ever meet Bobby Fulton's son? No, no, I haven't. Well, Bobby Fulton's got a son. He's a good guy. And uh, so Luke's drinking, and I I was drinking, and so we ordered an extra couple of drinks because the bar was closing. Yeah. And as we so we go out to that little lobby, Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden. Talk about another wonderful guy, D'Lo Brown. D'Lo Brown. Comes yeah. walking out. Another Ring of Honor alumnus. He did a few shots. But anyway, and D'Lo's like, oh, shit, is the bar, is the bar still open? I go, I don't know, man. And they wouldn't give him a drink. He was freaking out. He called some friends of his at Impact who had some – someone had some beers. Yeah. So – we took a seat. We took a seat at this table, and uh, there were a couple of fans. We just go ahead, sit there. Well, this is very strange, Brian. I, I had a pint of rum. I don't think I've ever had a pint of rum in my room. Yeah. And but, and I was like, hmm. I go, hey, Dilo, I got some booze. He goes, what do you got? I go. It's rum. Now, he's like, ah. Well, I'm like, it's cool. So about 10 minutes later, I said, I got to go to the bathroom. But I went up the elevator. I went I, I went to the, took a leak and, and got the rum. And it was a pint of Bacardi. And I brought it down. And I go, here. And he's like, oh, man. Uh, there's a character in my book, Freddy the Weeper. He was like, he did like, like, Freddy would be like, oh. <laughs> 
Oh, and then he'd be like, glug, glug, glug. Well, D'Lo wasn't quite like that, but he's like, oh, all right, thanks, man. And he had a little cup, and Luke was holding court, telling stories about Andre the Jean Ferry before Jean Ferry. Andre in Montreal in 71. And wonderful, wonderful stories. And by about 3.30 in the morning, I noticed that D'Lo's rum, which he had, he had a little cup. It was like, it was not this much left. <laughs> I spoke to, saw him the next day, you know, everyone was hungover, but yeah. it was the joy of the evening propelled us above the hangover. There you go, yeah. And he was like, man, that's what it's all about. We, yeah, He had some stories, of course. I had a couple, but Luke. Luke, yeah. This guy's been in the business since 1966. Oh, wow. Wow. Right. And so, yeah. So it was wonderful. Great. Right. That's and, wonderful. Uh, anyway, I, we sort of got to get wrapping this yeah. up, man. Anyway, I want to ask you one last thing, and then we'll get we'll, we'll yeah, let you sure. go. I know you're busy. Your book, Last Stop Penn Station. Last Stop Penn Station. When are we going to see this book? It's all on me. We've mentioned Mike G a, a number of times. We have a uh, a rough edit. Okay. And the pandemic messed me up. My my lethargy messed me up. And uh, I, it's up to me to uh, start the process of, you know, say, hey, second chapter, we got to get this out. Or second chapter, I don't like this. So, da, 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 da. so th- that's where we're at. So, um, as they would tell you, within the world of uh, recovery, you know, addiction, you know, Hmm. Brian, keep me accountable for it. In other words, it'd be really easy for you to never say anything again. (laughs) But at the same time, I'm telling you, keep me accountable. So, yeah, I want to get it done. You know, there's good stories. Yeah. I think one of the reasons I don't want to do it is like, even though it's on the podcast, mm-hmm. everyone could listen to it, right. I guess forever. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just got to commit, you know, there's some stuff in there that's like really rough on paper. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Okay. But listen, I had a really, really good time talking. Thank to you. you so much for coming on today. I thought I was going to like what, do 40 minutes and like, Okay, hey, bro, thanks. But uh, you're a good guy, man. I, I really appreciate it. Thank, thank you for reaching out to me and calling me and contacting me. I really appreciate it. Folks, Mr. Kerry Silken, thank you, sir, for coming on. Let me know when this comes out. I will. I will. Folks, if you're listening, thank you. If you're watching, thank you. And please subscribe, and we will talk to you soon. Hey, this is Total Package, Lex Luger. You're listening to the VOC Nation. Don't miss out. Hey, guys, before we get started, I just wanted to read this commercial because it's an agreement that we made with a really great podcast, and I want to tell you guys all about it. Pro Wrestling Interviews, it features guests who are hot indie stars as well as the greats of the ring. Each week, you can join the amazing Velvet as well as Dr. John as they host this jam-packed hour of interviews, pro wrestling news, and entertaining guests. It's an hour you don't want to miss. Trust me, you don't want to miss it. Every Sunday... 9 p.m. Eastern. Just go to ProWrestlingInterviews.com, and it'll take you to their Facebook page where you can get the custom podcast link for that week. Don't miss a second of Pro Wrestling Interviews. That Sunday nights, 9 Eastern, ProWrestlingInterviews.com. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network. Check out In The Room. Every Tuesday night at 9. Listen in. Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks, former WCW star Stro Maestro, Kathy Fitz, Matt Grimm. And you and Ray are there too, right, Ray? We sure are, and we've got great guests like Lex Luger, AJ Styles, Taku, and more. It's a heck of a party. Plus, I didn't get thrown off uh, buildings. And then uh, pregnant. I didn't get pregnant either. Sometimes I think it gets so ridiculous. We were getting into, like, snuff film territory there. In the room. 9 p.m. Eastern on VOC Nation. 
Yo, this is Jerry Stags of the Nasty Boys. Yeah, Brian Knobs here. You get ready to get nasty. Well, listen to the VOC Nation, baby. VOC Nation is one of the longest-running wrestling podcast networks. Having started way back in 2010, VOC Nation provides daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with their hosts and guests via phone calls, emails, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include former backstage interviewer from both AWA and WWE, Ken Resnick, former WCW performer The Maestro, former Impact performer Wes Crisco, Pro Wrestling Illustrated contributor Brady Hick, and former Philadelphia radio personality Bruce Works. Archive-free content includes past interviews with huge names like Paul Hogan, Jesse Ventura, Kurt Angle, Jimmy Hart, Ricky Steamboat, Sting, Nick Foley, Joey Styles, Howard Finkel, and so many more. Listen live at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all the podcasts by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. And be sure to follow these guys on Twitter at VOCNation. Phil After has been in the pro wrestling business for over 50 years. Hey, talking here with uh, Arn Anderson. Arn, first of all, your height and weight. 6'1", 255. And now subscribers to VOC Nation Premium get exclusive access to Bill After's archived audio footage. And uh, where's your hometown? Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay, and uh, give us something about your back. First of all, your relationship to Ole Anderson. Ole is my Subscription to VOC Nation Premium starts at just $3 a month and includes commercial-free audio and video versions of our top podcasts. Okay, we're speaking here with uh, the manager of the World Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, Tarzan Tyler and Luke Graham, and he's, uh, he's sort of glowing tonight about a new prospect we haven't heard of yet. And for just $9 a month, Aptor's archives are all yours. Uh, would you tell us who this new prospect well, is? Well, I'll tell you, Bill, I've searched the world, and I finally <laughs> found a true world champion. I finally found... What's your opinion of uh, Ivan Koloff winning the title from Bruno San Martino? Well, I think... Uh, I don't know what to say, but I, I want to say one thing. Uh, Bruno was an early champion. Hear exclusive interviews with the greatest performers of all time. Here's Phil after, and once again, we're speaking here with... Bruno San Martino. Bruno, first of all, how did you and Bruiser lose that title to the Valiants? Well, actually, it was a, a, a very unusual loss, if you want to call it a did loss. Have anything to do? Well, yes, but the whole thing is this, that the rules, as I always understood them, was that you, the title could only be lost by pin or, or submission, which is the same rules as uh, my title, the World Wide Wrestling Federation. That night, uh, it was... To sign up, it's very simple. Head to premium.vocnation.com or go to patreon.com slash vocnation. VOC Nation takes you behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Each and every Thursday night, check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week. Talking dream matches. Taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out. VOCNation.com. WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation Radio Network. This is Matt Hardy, and you are listening to the VOC Nation. 